Hello and welcome to Draft House Ditherers. Back from the blue, out of darkness. Where did we go? No one knows. Let's find out. I'm Ethan Sontaire. Today I'm drinking a Shock Top Honeycrisp Apple Wheat Ale. And over here on my internet and political left is Brian, resident historian, genius, man of culture. Brian, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. And what are you drinking? Uh, Kugel's Cranberry Ginger Shandy. Lovely, lovely. And on my right, the lovely lady, nutrition and fitness expert, Tiffany. That's how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Got some office politics that are somehow backfiring on me, even though I'm not in the office. But, you know, that's fine. It's whatever. Mm, office politics, a personal favorite. Yes. What are you drinking today? Today I'm drinking a Lining Kugel's Watermelon Shandy. All right, cheers, I don't guys. know what it is. I haven't had it yet. Oh, wait, the Watermelon Shandy? That one's actually really good. good oh, yeah. Let's find out. Well, we have been gone for a while. You guys can keep drinking. I'll just talk for a minute. That's really good. We have been gone for a while, and I got to say, um, children warning coming up here. America, what the fuck is going on? Seriously. I think a lot of children listen to this podcast. No one listens to this podcast. I don't think adults listen to this podcast. No one listens to this podcast. Just the NSA. How's it going, friends? Now, before I start ranting madly, I'd like to turn to Tiffany for a short thank you to some programs. No, I'll I'll carry it today. That's fine. Yeah, you're you're in charge here, man. (laughs) We're going to thank Audacity and Soundation, who allow us to, you know, record and mix this wonderful podcast for your viewing pleasure, listening pleasure, for free, absolutely free. You can get them at their respective websites. Thanks a lot. All right. Yeah. So, America, what the fuck? That's all that this podcast really is right now. Is that now. we're going to title it? I hope so. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Uh, fuck it. Who cares? This is this is my personal rant and rage because I have been bottled up under a rock for, what, four or five months. I'm the real reason we didn't have the podcast. I was studying for a little exam some people have heard of called the bar exam. And I come back and I find America basically in flames. You goddamn bastards, you blew it up. That's because you stopped paying attention. Clearly this is all your fault. I know! I'm never going to let it happen again. So, quick rundown. Um, Today is August 28th? Yep. Yep. We were recording this on? Was it two weeks ago? Charlottesville? About that, yeah. Right. Charlottesville. Um, uh, Brian, could you kindly remind me what exactly happened in Charlottesville? <clears throat> well, a organization, uh, had a rally called Unite the Right. Uh, this organization was, uh, known to be rather white supremacist in nature. Uh, they had their rally, uh, to protest the tearing down of a statue of Robert E. Lee, famous Civil War general, you've probably heard of him, and, yeah, bad things happened. A murder happened, if I remember correctly. Yeah. There was a murder, vehicular homicide. I'm yep. thinking that would be it. Her name was Heather Heyer. And the best thing is they're like, oh, it was an isolated incident. But uh, there's actually evidence that this it was planned and people were encouraging uh, members of this white supremacist party to run people down with their cars. Chat so, logs, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. I would also like to point out, and this is hearsay. I remember reading this on the internet, so take that for what it's worth. But for a time, Fox News website did have a video about how to use vehicles to get protesters out of your way. Our home state is North Dakota. And I actually found out recently that uh, we came two votes away from our state legislature from legalizing the exact same kind of vehicular conduct that led to, led to the death of a peaceful protester. I don't understand what, unless someone is directly threatening your life, 
that it's okay for you to run them over with a car. Like if you're coming out with me with a knife, I get to hit you with my car. If any other reason, no, I do not. I don't understand how that's like put it being put up to a vote. I will give them a small amount of credit in that at the time that they considered the law, there were actually a lot of videos of cars like being surrounded by violent protesters. But I don't recall what the pro. I think it was Black Lives Matter. And I don't mean violent, violent. I mean more like they, they were being rioting. De- they were being kind of detained almost in their vehicles. Yeah. And then there was also the Dakota Access Pipeline situation when something similar happened. Which is why our state decided that it would be okay to murder people you with know, vehicles. I was actually at the Dakota Pipeline protest. Not, not I wasn't participating in it, but my best friend is from Standing Rock. And we had gone there to pick up her sister for a vacation. And they were not blocking the road. No. Okay, well, I was going to say, it's not a similar situation if they weren't on the road. No, for the most part, and you could say this of any large gathering protest, the majority of the people there, they might have been trespassing, but I would argue that's just kind of a part of civil disobedience when you're it's a land dispute. But for the most part, they're behaving themselves. They're not violent. They're not doing anything terribly wrong, other than maybe trespassing, like I said. Uh, with Particularly with the Dakota Access Pipeline, I don't know there were small fringe groups that particularly were going out and stealing livestock. Yeah. Which is why the, the locals... That's, that's the thing, though. Anytime you put together a sufficiently large group of people, there are going to be assholes. There's, exactly. there's going to be someone who's going to use that to their advantage to go cause fuckery. Yeah, exactly. Now, on this particular podcast, we have largely avoided getting directly political. But um, we can't really avoid it anymore. That is sort of the whole point of the Rant Rage podcast right here, right here today. So I'm going to put you all on the spot. Brian, what is your political affiliation? I am exceedingly left-leaning. I would call myself almost a left libertarian. Uh, you you've used the term social libertarian. Yes, I and have. I, I I rather like that as a descriptor. So yes, I mean actual liberty when I say that. Yeah, and not just government. Get your hands out my business, literally business. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so on things such as, uh, let's call them social issues, you know. Um, gay and transgender rights, um, uh, abortion, um, such and so forth. Culture never keeps up with changing times. The government should step in to protect people's individual liberties when it comes to choices they make with their body and what the hell they choose to do with it. Okay, okay. Um, war, defense, where are you on that? It is a necessary evil that we should have a standing army in a modern state. However... We shouldn't have two-thirds of our budget. I don't know what it actually is, but it's something absurdly high. Yeah, I think high. it is two-thirds. Yeah, it's something absurdly high. Should not be spent on defense alone. And your opinion on using said war machine for advancing our economic interests overseas? Uh, that's a little more complicated just because gunboat diplomacy is just sort of one of the many tools in international diplomacy. I understand. All right, all right. Um, economic matters. Sensible amounts of regulation to prevent individuals from abusing large populations. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tiffany. Yep. Um, How would you describe your political affiliation? I mean, compared to my family, I am like the far left. I think I'm really more of a moderate. Like, I think that we need less government in that, like, what I want to do with my body, what other people want to do with their bodies is none of your concern. That And I mean... I don't smoke weed. I barely drink because I, let's be real. I'm weird enough. I don't need extra substances, but like if you want to smoke weed, 
I don't care. If you want to change genders, I don't care. If you want to have an abortion, I don't care. Because, hey, that's your body. That's your life. You do what you want and you let me do what I want. Um, yeah. But but the smaller government, I believe, is the conservative view, yeah? Um, it's messier than that, unfortunately. Okay. So that's what I was about to get to, is what you just described, by describing it as a smaller government, is exactly what I've begun in the last six months to champion is what I call a new political movement called social libertarianism. Okay. Which is to say, libertarians are those people who are always like, oh, government shouldn't regulate weed. They usually bring up weed and taxes. Those are their two big yeah. cornerstone issues. Probably because they're poor stoners. That does tend to... The Ron Paul fans are poor stoners. Like, let's be honest here. Anyways, and so I'm trying to reclaim the word libertarian to actually mean liberty. As in, you know... Freedom. The freedom of yourself from the direction of others, you know, unless you choose, you know, say by contracting to do something. Right. And, you know, the right side of American politics has claimed to be the party of freedom and the party of small government. But I don't think since the 1980s that's actually been true. Not even slightly, no. The constant push for corporatism and corporate favoritism is obvious from the right, but... But unfortunately, since the 1990s, I also can say the same thing about the left side I was of modern say, American politics. That is, as well, corporatism is sort of taking over, and that is about as far removed from actual individual liberty as you can get. Now, this is only tangibly related to what you're talking about, but I just, I just want to throw it out there. A big problem that I have with both the left and the right is... They will say, both sides will say whatever they have to, to try and make the other side look bad, even if it's not true. Now, when you do that, you make yourself look stupid and you give the other side ammunition to call you a liar and say, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and both sides do it. And it's irritating to me. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a comm major. It was my undergrad. I'm a comm grad student. It, it boggles my mind there is like zero ethics in journalism you can just post whatever you want because as long as it gets those clicks clickbait that's all, yeah that's all that matters is hashtag that get, is that you get clicks you get views people read your stuff even if it's completely false that's okay you're still making money and that drives me banana sandwich like it, i and people's quickness to just share something on facebook without doing the littlest tiniest bit of research you know, and making sure that it's true before posting it. Everyone just does it. And the older generation is the worst because they see the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and just assume cart, is it carte blanche? Is that the that, right that, word? That is yeah, a phrase that, that works. That they are, you know, telling the truth when there are several instances of the Wall Street Journal just doing hack jobs for, for views. So this is my personal soapbox. This is the Sorry, hill, This is the hill I'm willing to die on. Yeah. Because ever since 2016, people seem to think there are no such thing as facts anymore. There are facts, goddammit. They news. still exist. Oh my god. <laughs> I have kicked several hornet's nests in the last few weeks defending, oh my god, and I can't believe I would say this. Ten years ago, me would punch me in the face for this. Print journalism. Defending print journalism? Defending print Here, journalism. Here's my issue. Just because it's print journalism or like a reputable name doesn't mean that what they're printing is still like the absolute truth. Do you know what I mean? Well, there's a difference between stuff like the Wall Street Journal, who is advertising to a specific market aka you know wall street um and the new york times and washington post and those are the two great pillars of american journalism and there's a reason they each have a board of people 
whose job is literally to ensure that every fact they print is true. Okay. I just mean like, you know, not every printed media just because it's in print and not on the internet means it's true. That was And, and again, because this is my personal soapbox and my personal yeah. hill to die on, I'm going to flesh this all the way out for anyone who doesn't know. The problem is, the reason everyone keeps saying that the New York Times and Washington Post are printing lies is because they recently relaxed that factual restriction on their opinion sections. I, I was specifically referring to the Wall Street Journal, which okay. sounds like it's is supposed garbage. to be reputable, yes. but it's garbage. It they, garbage. They just yes. hack jobs everywhere to try and prove their point. Specifically, what I was talking about in going on and on and on for months about how PewDiePie is like a Nazi... When you have to be able to differentiate between edgelords doing it for the lulls and people who are actual Nazis. Now, after Charlottesville, <laughs> after Charlottesville, PewDiePie was like, you know, I said it as a joke because I did not realize, because it's 20 fucking 17, that there are still actual Nazis. I will never make another joke. I thought I was being funny. Turns out those people exist. And now they have tried to make me their leader. And I want no part of it. But like, so. God, I hate to bring up the. Do it. Quote, unquote, ethics and journalism discussion. Because that's a can of worms, but... I'm a comm major. Come at me. The same <laughs> reporters reporting on the, quote, unquote, Russiagate, Russian... Stop putting gate Collusion scandal. God damn it. That's funny. what they're calling it to make that's, fun of it. Ugh. The same reporters reporting on that for the Washington Times, or the, the New York <laughs> Times and the Washington Post, are the same people... Who were printing the facts about the Hillary Clinton email server. Which was a story. Yeah. It was a story. I understand. But you're showing that they're, they're at least they're showing both sides. Like yes. you did something wrong, I'm showing it. The other side did something wrong, I'm still showing it. Because in America, yes. we actually have a long and storied history of journalists, while having their personal biases, finding the juiciest fucking stories and printing them. Has anyone heard of Watergate? What? The original gate? Yes. yes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know yes. what you're talking about. Or that has anyone ever heard of the Pentagon Papers? That was the greatest story of journalism in American history. Uh, we, we found out, basically, that's how we found out about all the horrible shit in Vietnam. Okay. The New York Times got a hold of it. The, U, uh, the U.S. government tried to stop them from printing it. It led to a famous Supreme Court case called New York Times versus Sullivan. So, Anyways... I, that was a total, complete dig digression. And I, I think have, I started that. I'm sorry. I have no idea where we where we were when we uh, started. Oh, that's right. Okay. So we were discussing personal yes. political affiliations. Yep. So you kind of gave us your social feel. Yep. Do you have opinions on uh, war and defense? Um, take this from a grain of salt. Again, I was a comm major, guys. I teach kinesiology classes. History and politics are, are not my forte. I try to kind of sort of stay informed, but... Uh. I feel like I shouldn't really comment, but I do feel like we're putting an awful lot of money into defense that we wouldn't need if we would not go poking our noses in where it's not our business for money reasons. I mean, probably wouldn't need that much money for defense now, would you? Just say, I don't know. You just put your thumb on like the major problem with American military use in the last, what, 80 years? And here I thought I was an idiot. Ha! Turns out I'm slightly less of an idiot than I well, thought. Well, th that we create our own boogeymen. Yeah. Yeah. Every single war we fought for the last 40 years, we created. Pretty much. Cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you're sharper than you realize on I, that. I appreciate that. Great. I was like, I don't know for sure. Do okay. you have opinions on, say, the government's role in economics? Business, trading? Not particularly. 
I don't really, I feel like I don't know enough about it. That is a perfectly acceptable stance. Okay. This is something I wanted to get to. People should just be willing to say, (laughs) I don't don't know. know. That's one of the problems we have today. Everyone has to be an expert in fucking everything. Yeah, no, I I, I don't know and I will tell you that. I'm not going to, because here's the thing that our tangerine toddler in charge does not realize. If I say something that's not true, you can use this really cool thing. They just developed it. It's called Google and look up and prove me wrong. Recently, so there's no point in saying something as like fact when I don't know if I'm right. There was a recently our beloved commander in chief pardoned one Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Beloved. Blech. I I mean if this, if you couldn't sense the sarcasm dripping off my voice, I don't know. I know. By the way, spoiler alert, not a fan. <laughs> fair to say not a fan, Brian. Yeah, that's a Tiffany. fair assessment. Sir, since you became in charge, literal Nazis have come out of the woodwork. I blame. I mean, he's been encouraging them. What did you think would happen? <laughs> but you know what? There was this fault, is... but there was fault on both sides. <laughs> we're we're getting to the greater story soon, I promise. But that is one of the things I want to talk about: is how our president has actually encouraged this kind of white supremacist. Yeah, and they were celebrating that he didn't straight up condemn them. They were like, "Great, good job!" Like he, you know, he didn't straight up condemn us. It's not hard. It is not hard. We fought one war against the Confederates and another war against Nazis, and now these guys came out of the woodwork together. It's like you can't, you cannot say you are a proud American and a Nazi. We had a whole war about this; the entire world was involved, and we decided you couldn't be both. Honestly, that makes more sense to me than saying you're a patriot and a you know a fan of the Confederacy. (laughs) They were they were literally traitors. Traitorous scum that broke away from the union because they were afraid they wouldn't be allowed to own people as property. I I want to point out that the southern senators prior to the Civil War had a hissy fit when northern senators and abolitionists wouldn't back down on preventing new states from becoming slave states and literally walked out of Congress. And you know what else? People are like, oh, taking down these statues, you're trying to erase history. And and those, I saw this political cartoon, it was like, it said like political correctness on the eraser. And it was the statue, I, I assume, of Robert E. Lee. And it's like those who, you know, erase history are doomed to repeat it. You know, they're so true. If only there was a way to preserve our history without statues, perhaps pages with... Words and pictures, maybe bound. Oh yeah, they're called books, you idiots. I know you don't know how to read, so maybe you need the statues. But there's pictures in the books, I promise. Sorry. I, mean, I, I realize I'm screaming, and for our listeners, you know, all one of you, I'm very sorry, but I get very worked up. I mean, it's very possible that I will be the only person to listen to this podcast. Very so. worked up. Anyways, have you seen the textbooks that the like Texas State School yeah, Board approves? Anyways. Uh, personal political affiliations. I am, I am about as left-wing as left-wing goes. I'm so far left-wing that I turn the plane over. <laughs> Wouldn't that make you right-wing then? Oh, that's a whole thing called horseshoe theory, but we'll get to that later too. Okay. I am staunchly socialist. Uh, actually used to be staunchly communist. I've since backed off the ledge on that one. I think communism is the most correct form of government. Well, government. Form of economy. But it it only in theory. It it can work on a very small scale. It does not work large scale for states at all. Which is why I think that a hybrid of of um, capitalism and socialism is the way to go. So the European model. Yes, I think the government should control and own 
you know, the largest, most central, call it agency for every major industry that a person cannot live without. So healthcare. Healthcare, education, obviously we already have that. Uh, oh, by the way, we have socialized stuff in America. People never seem to think about it, but we do. Yeah. Um, banks, I think there should be a socialized bank in every state. We already have one. We have one, so, you know. And it's awesome, by the way. Uh, what was that face for? No, nothing. Me? I just, I, I don't know what some of these things mean. Oh, we'll get to it. Okay. And, and if you have any questions, please. I don't, what, what does it mean to have a socialist bank? The Bank of North Dakota is a socialist bank owned and operated by the state. So the government owns the bank and they put somebody in charge to run it like a business. All of the proceeds, so all of the profit made from, say, um, loan interests and whatnot goes back into the state and the state gets to spend that on roads, schools, so whatever that, that's else. that's why you guys get your student loans from there? Yes. Yeah. Best student loan deal you can get outside of the Is federal. that because they want the interest money for the state? Is that why they give you a good Honestly, deal? it's probably because they don't have a profit directive more yeah. than anything. They, they're not geared just to making profits. It, primarily, they're a bank. They, they act, were originally founded to help farmers. Yeah, mostly so. the, their, their big mission is to use the money they, they earn from other stuff to give loans to businesses inside the state, which helps businesses grow and prosper here. So um, the reason I say anything that is central and very hard to live without should be owned by the government is because those types of industries are extremely ripe for capitalist abuse. Monopolies. And Utilities are a good example. Yep. It's the reason we've had to regulate them so heavily. When you only have one supplier of water to a city, they can charge whatever they want. Because everyone needs water. Which in North Dakota, at least, and in the Midwest a lot, a lot of power companies have turned into co-ops. Yeah. Where they are sort of community-owned, which is also another solution, but a co-op is awfully close to communism, if you know, yes, yes, I'd like it to is. point out. But basically what I'm saying is we have these models in existence already and yet people keep talking about how socialism is a failed ideology. But like these exist and I think they should be spread to air travel. You know, um, we already have rail car travel. It's by a nonprofit agency set up by the government. But, you know, anything like that, anything that's just kind of a basic essential for human living. So I want to ask you a question, but I don't know if we have time to get into the We have all thing. sorts of time. Do we? Okay. I so, made no plan for this okay, episode. So because of your your ideology, at one point, and this is another thing I get heated about, so I, again, I apologize if I yell. You and I were driving home one time from a trip, got into a very heated argument that we had to drop because I was getting very upset. We were talking about countries that have a living wage. There's actually only two right now. Do you want to talk about that and how you think... Because you, you said you thought that was going to be our future in 10, 15, 20 years. Well, it might be longer than that. Well, uh, anyway, do you, do you want to explain it and then so it's, we can it's, debate it? There's a couple different names for it. It's universal basic income or a negative income tax. Yep. Basically, instead of having any other type of social welfare system, no social security, no welfare, no food stamps, every citizen just receives a check once a month from the government to cover... The most basic of expenses. Literally enough money to buy you, you know, cheap food, a place to live, and, what, heat? Enough enough to cover the utility. Basically, you would have rent. You'd cover your utilities, rent, and food. But for a very bare bones, probably efficiency. Yeah, for an efficiency. It, it'd be enough money so a person would not starve and or freeze to death. And I assume that that, that would um, 
have to be aided by like government subsidized housing where they build a bunch of apartments. They could that, do that. That, that, would, that would probably be a okay. part of it. Yeah. And you're saying that you think the reason for this is there's just going to be too many jobs taken over, replaced by electronics. Yep. Yes. Well, or just industries killed by innovation. Because I mean, we're we're killing store like shopping mall stores. Apparently, millennials are killing everything. So. Well, we like to do our shopping online. If we I saw we that. don't want to go to the store, yeah. we we just want to sit at our house and have it ordered to our house. Apparently, millennials are killing boxing. Um, Fast, casual restaurants. I think I saw pizza on that list for some reason. Okay, okay yeah, but they're, I don't they're ki- well. I don't. Th- I don't know how pizza could possibly be dying. I alone will keep that industry right? alive. <laughs> but like, they're killing industries like Applebee's. Yeah, because that food tastes like shit, and it's all microwave. Applebee's. Who is wants just... to eat that? Also, no one. I can also, microwave my own fucking food. Also, bitch, I'm too broke for that. What are you talking? About? Right. I'm not gonna pay for Applebee's garbage food when I can yeah. get it in the frozen section. I was of gonna Walmart. say I can yeah. go to Walmart, get it. From their frozen aisle and make it better than they... And yeah. I don't have to deal with the shitty drug addict servers. <laughs> okay. So my my point is, if you have a living wage, uh, a lot of that's going to come out of the... Uh, it'll be taxed on your paychecks, yeah? So, actually, Bernie already calculated this. Okay. Um, it would require an additional $370 million a year. But that's it. That's it? Yeah. Well, because, again, the single biggest portion of our budget, of our national budget, is Social Security. I thought it was defense. No, it's Social Security is the biggest part. And Medicare, Medicaid. Um, Also, along with this, we need um, uniform health care. Okay. uh, So, by just eliminating Social Security, you've paid for basically half of it. Okay. And then all the other benefits you think of normally, too. You know, food stamps, um, you know welfare quote-unquote all of those programs are gone because now everyone has access yeah. to the same stuff so my question is but it's still going to be just heavily taxed on your income is that right probably yeah so theoretically johnny lazybones can do nothing and live in his little efficiency apartment and still be able to buy food maybe some beer if he eats really if he saves food. well yes yeah, he could buy right a, he could Where, buy a sixer whereas say now i working my job am losing enough income that say so we already own this house right so we don't have to make payments on it but there's still utilities my living wage plus my job might no longer cover the expenses of my house do you know do you understand what i'm saying like if you live in like a really big house you might not be able to make those payments anymore i don't think it's fair that if i already granted i did not work for this house it was gifted to me but if i had and worked for this really big house and then we change it over and now i can no longer afford my house that's not fair that I have to downsize so Johnny Lazybones can sit at home. Well, there's a few things here. Okay. One, we wouldn't do it all at once. Yeah. We would probably do it halfway to start with and then slowly increase the payments. I was going to say, it would have to be very gradual increase. So people, the thing is there would be a bit of belt tightening going on because that's just kind of when you're completely changing the way you manage an economic system in a country, that's just going to happen. But if you do it gradually enough... You will get it to where you're not going to feel these constrictions. The only other concern that I would have with a system like that is, well, everybody's got a basic amount of money now. Well, I just make a basic minimum payment and up everybody's rent. Yay. So I'm just abuse that is from a concern. businesses. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of people, if like say if we get, uh, what did you call it? Like health, free health care? There's going to be Universal no health care. Yeah, there's going to be no more insurance, right? Yep. So everyone who has a job working for health insurance now has no job. Yeah, that'll be one of those things that, you know, 
innovation has to get rid of because the fact of the matter is is that our economy is literally just leaking money on insurance and that that's the thing like the the cost of healthcare in this country is absolutely outrageous like outrageous even if you have really good insurance your copay is still outrageous i I think like an overnight stay in the hospital for any minor injury can be like thirty six hundred dollars and my personal opinion on that is that it's because of insurance absolutely and by eliminating the middleman, we save money. Like, literally, we just save money. So, I, I'm curious why people don't want it. Because there's a very efficient and effective system of propaganda in this country. Called Fox. God, tell me about it. Because when we took literally one step towards universal health care, and it was like the most timid, small step you can possibly imagine called Obamacare. And honestly, Republicans should have loved it because they wrote the goddamn plan in the 90s. They freaked out and called it death panels. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't them who made it. Now they tried to, you know, then they tried to make their own plan, which literally nobody wanted. And they continued trying to do it and failed repeatedly, which I found kind of hilarious. Yeah, well, because the whole reason they didn't want Obamacare to pass is because they knew even improving the healthcare system a little would provide credibility to the Democrats. But anyways, that's all, you know, tangential. But... So there's an additional part of this, uh, you know, universal basic income and universal health care are socialist policies. Yep. There's another socialist policy that this country would desperately need, and we will never get it, Which but is? it would fix our problems on those issues. Okay. Do you know what the top tax rate was in America in the 1950s? Nope. 70%. They need 70% of your income was tax. No. Oh, okay. Common misconception about the tax rate. Only once you make enough money up into that bracket. Yeah, only what you made in there is taxed yep. at the higher rate. No, I knew that, but I don't I don't know what you just said then. Well, that was my point. It's so that when people, I think back then it was $400,000. Okay. Once you made above $400,000, you were 70% taxed. Okay. Well, that's the reason we weren't broke. That's the reason we had a surplus. Oh. Do you know what it is today? Do you want to hazard a guess? Nope. Brian? I don't know. You want to hazard a guess? Uh, Like 5%? 35%. Okay, so not as bleak as I thought, but still. And this is another thing where I have a little bit of an issue, right? Like, I don't think that a CEO of a company who maybe doesn't really do that much other than, you know, bigwig isn't, you know, making millions and millions in bonuses where the lower lowest level employees, like, can't afford their rent. But someone like a doctor or a lawyer who paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school and and put in all the time and work to become in that profession that took a lot of time, a lot of money, probably ruined a lot of relationships because they always had to be doing that. They deserve that extra money. Do you know what I, I mean? Agree. Like they deserve to be making I how agree. much they're making. In order, you know, you're you graduate law school most likely passed the bar and you're probably going to be paying your loans for quite a few years still yeah that's true so and that's why and you're already at an economic advantage where we don't really have to pay rent we just have to pay expenses for the house and again so we're just going to finish my apparently we're, we're talking about how i would restructure america yes this was supposed to be a podcast about racism but ethan for president 2020 we're really just talking about again i, I prefer the topic america what the fuck that's just yes. a good one so in my theoretical restructuring of the tax brackets to solve the pricing for universal basic income and universal health care, I would not increase the top tax rate. Okay. I would create two additional tax brackets. Okay. So right now the top bracket is 
120 no it's 1 million 250 I don't I don't remember off the top of my head maybe it's still 400,000 which would be ridiculous So I would create a super wealthy and mega wealthy tax brackets and they would be 50 and 60 I'm not talking about taxing small business owners cuz small business owners don't make over a million dollars they not, just don't. Not usually. No. If you're making more than a million dollars, you don't get to call yourself a small business owner. That is a large business. Congratulations. You're a success. But you didn't build that. To reference a famous speech by Obama that people hated. You know, you didn't build those roads. You didn't build that power line. America creates a, you know, an environment in which you can economically thrive if you strive for it. And when you get there, we should be willing to aid others. Crazy idea. Help your neighbors? What sort of crazy hippie would suggest that nonsense? Have you ever Jesus seen Christ? my favorite internet joke of all time, Supply Side Jesus? I've heard of it. I've never Oh, it's uh, my favorite. Uh, Perhaps we'll tweet out the link later. Yeah, we should tweet some out because okay. they're fantastic. But uh, basically, it's just... Famous, you know, Jesus moments from the Bible where instead of doing what Jesus did, because spoiler alert, Jesus was a communist. Uh, what? <laughs> um, he instead, you know, follows proper, true Reagan values. Has anyone told the conservatives that Jesus was a communist? Oh, they, they'll deny it. Just like they'll deny that he wasn't white. Yeah. They... You're saying he's not a white guy with a light brown beard and blue eyes? What? Remind yeah, me again totally where Jesus. Kidding. Remind me again where Jesus was allegedly born. Uh, well, te- the town of Nazareth, um, which is in the Middle East. Mm, yes, near Jerusalem. A lot of white people in Jerusalem. At the time, the only ones were Roman, and they were actually more olive skinned anyway. Weren't they the ones, in fact, who killed Mister Jesus? Mister Jesus. <laughs> they executed him. I mean, if you follow the Bible, it was really the uh, the Jewish leadership who. Well, they they like, sentenced him, but yeah, it was the didn't... Romans that killed him. Yeah, they crucified him. So. But yeah, no, he would have been a short haired, short brown hair, brown eyes, short because that was actually the convention of the Jewish faith at the time, and Jesus was also Jewish. So. And his skin was probably a little bit on the brown side. A little bit. Yep. He probably had a good, you know, carpenter's tan going on. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is a good segue. Okay. Racism in America. Yes. It's always been there. Yep. Always. I think, though, it, it for a while we got to a place where at least if people had these horrible racist views, for the most part, they, they had enough sense to keep it to themselves. The problem is when you get an idiot... Basically saying that it's okay to hate people for the color of their skin or their religion or whatever he feels like that day. People are like, well, if the leader of the country can do it, I can do it too. And you can't say anything because I have freedom of speech, which doesn't mean I not only can I not be arrested, it means that uh, people can't call me on my bullshit. It's not how the First Amendment works. but I was being sarcastic. Yeah, right? I understand that. Okay. Well. Uh, I was... I was Saying that for everybody else's sake, anybody who may stumble upon this podcast in the dark corners of the, the internet. The First Amendment only protects you against governmental action. Yeah. It does nothing if your employer wants to fire you, if your girlfriend wants to leave you. Nothing. 
It, it, we don't care. Just, you have the freedom. You have to the say, right to say something stupid. I have the right to call you an idiot. You're a Nazi and you got fired. It's your fault. Indeed. Now people are like you can't. They can't fire me. I have freedom of speech. I can say yeah, but that only protects you from the government, fam. Your job can still fire you for being a racist idiot because they don't want you representing their company. So I've actually done a little bit of research and I have sourced the resurgence of white supremacism, white supremacy, sure, yeah, in America. And it it pains me because it's brought me so much joy. The reason white supremacy is back in America is YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Apparently, there's a very close-knit, well-organized group, basically call them a network, of white supremacists with YouTube channels. And for about a decade, maybe more, they have been creating a bunch of clickbaity YouTube videos with uh, pre-constructed, rational-sounding arguments that would slowly bring people into their views. And they used lots of what we call dog whistles, which is to say, you know, they blow the whistle, um, we just hear a word, but everyone who's in on the ideology, here's what it actually means. And uh, I'm going to list some dog whistles for you right now. Drug crime. <laughs> uh, I'm over here nodding with a very knowing smirk on my face because that one's kind of obvious. Um, let's see here. What's another good one? Crack. Also obvious. Illegal. How are these obvious? That these so, are cults for like white supremacists. So, um, primarily, we'll talk about just briefly cover the war on drugs. No, I know that. The punishment like, yeah, no. for crack versus cocaine is much higher. Because cocaine's used by rich white dudes and crack's used by poor black folks. Exactly. Yeah, no, it is that. why it's a dog whistle. Whenever someone's talking about cracking down on crack, they're literally talking about we want to jail more black people. Yep. It's the same thing with drug crime. Because, Marijuana, especially. Yep. Because they're talking about people who are disadvantaged, poor, often inner city, which also tends to statistically equate to people of color, but not but not in everywhere, especially around here. But <laughs> yeah. I yeah. But the point is these on the surface, they sound innocuous enough, but the point is, if you know even a little bit of the history behind, particularly the war on drugs, you'll know that it is incredibly r- racially charged oh, absolutely. and meant to keep people disadvantaged. Yeah. Okay. Illegal immigrants. Well, yeah, that one's obvious. That one's obvious even to me, and I'm an idiot, so. So, and here's a good way <laughs> you can rip the cover off of this one when you're talking to someone. Whenever someone is complaining about illegal immigrants, ask them if it would be okay if we just made it a lot easier for people to immigrate to the United States. They'll bumble around for a few minutes. They won't know exactly what to say because no one ever asks them that. Because in their little circles, of course they don't want them coming here because they're brown. I asked someone that, and their response was, well, my mother came to this country and she had to pass a really hard citizenship test so they should have to do it too. Okay, they would love to. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) I was like, they're not coming here illegally because it's more fun that way. Like, they would love to immigrate here legally. The process, I assume, is just difficult or they're not able to or what have you. Um, Average of about 12 years to legally immigrate into the United States. And that's only if they accept you. Oh, what are some other classic dog whistles? Oh, um, here's a good one, and it's very recent. Globalists. Oh, I... 
I keep hearing that. I've never, I've never heard that word before. Just it's now. on the internet so, a lot. Oh. It's so, very recent. I, I got. A, I'm not gonna lie. I hang out in the corners of the internet that are like really happy. They're either vegan recipes, or I'm watching like you know a corgi on a treadmill on YouTube, or you know rewatching an Amazon commercial where like the baby's afraid of the dogs, so they get a lion mane. Like I don't, I don't hang out in like the sad, angry corners of the internet. So that's probably why I don't know these because so, I hang out in happy places. Globalists refers to the quote-unquote elite bankers of the world who want the entire world to open borders and increase immigration because it leads to greater profit. Problem. That's not actually what they're complaining about. Brian, what are they complaining about? Jews. Doesn't it sound awfully familiar to a certain hated class in Germany in the you know 1920s and 30s? Uh, fun little history aside, the reason Jews are so associated with banking is because in the Middle Ages, there was a Christian ban on usury. Yeah. Only only Jews could practice usury, uh, loaning out money for uh, interest, because Christians weren't allowed to loan money to each other. So okay. all the Christians went to the Jewish community and be like, could you loan me some money? And the Jews were like, yeah, I'd like to make a little bit more money. Everybody would like to make more money. So here, have a loan. And they were, became central to the community in banking. Then... Uh, people realized that when they borrowed money from another and they had to pay back more, the other person was taking their money. And to young enlightened Christians, this sounded like theft. Even though they okay, had, then don't borrow any more money. Then they, even though they had contracted for it, and that's essentially why Jews have been persecuted throughout all of history. Yep. Uh, one other aside, actually, some Jewish practices, particularly um, their uh, the way they slaughter meat, I, the word is escaping me. Kosher. No, is it halal? Halal. I, I, I was going to say, the, the word was... I was guessing. But these practices actually, in the Middle Ages, were slightly more sanitary than the average butcher's practices, and the Jewish community had a lower rate of infection, particularly for bubonic plague. Also, I am incorrect. Halal is is for Muslims uh, kosher. Kosher, thank Jewish. you. That's what I said. Sorry. That is what I said. Yeah. Uh, I thought you said torture, and I was like, wow. Torture. I heard torture over here. Okay. I was, I was yeah, really yeah, confused. Yeah. I, was like, Co- I, thought, I thought I was the vegan. Sure. <laughs> anyway... The idea was, um, particularly, this happened particularly in Germany, Germany uh, after the Black Death too. Is the Jewish communities were less hit by the bubonic plague? One because they kind of kept separate to themselves and had more hygienic practices from just religious um, tradition. Obviously, to good God-fearing Christians, it was rich, rich witchcraft, and they had to be slaughtered. Here's another thing, uh, only again tangibly related, because I have uh, the brain of a chipmunk on eight, um, you know speed but uh you know how like in germany it's illegal to like wear or own nazi paraphernalia like doing nazi salute or saying anything like that. that is correct like yes. you get in trouble and like this is where it's like that double-edged sword where like i understand that we should definitely have like freedom of speech but like stuff like that there is a reason that you're not supposed to do that stuff there and sometimes i think that maybe we could benefit from those same rules being here now granted i I realize that's a very, very, very slippery slope. You all are saying one thing, and then it's just downhill from there, and that's like our First Amendment, right? And I get that. Uh, the problem is we used to be like a self-policing, like at least society would ostracize you for that, and uh, that's not happening anymore. Have you ever heard of the greater internet fuckwad theory? No. That's a great <laughs> theory. It's the theory that describes why society feels like it's gone to shit. No. Because of the internet. No. Because... When you take an ordinary person, you give them an audience, and, and anonymity, yep. they become a fuckwad. 
the greater internet fuckwad theory. I'm not going to lie. I know an older lady in her 60s, almost 70s, who has several fake Facebook accounts so she can write troll comments on our local newspaper's Facebook page. Because she doesn't want the comments associated with her actual name. Is that you, Skankunk42? <laughs> no, that's what we've been joking about. Is that like, like, yeah, she's an older, tired lady. She's got nothing better to do with her time. But like, you know, even older, even older people like are, are doing things like this. When you think it's just like a little 14-year-old edge. Oh, I mean, we can all enjoy trolling. I have about four or five troll accounts on Reddit. I mean, it used to just be old people writing into the opinion pieces, though. Now it's... I just have like alternate accounts so I can compliment people without people thinking I'm a lesbian. <laughs> or just, or I don't know, crazy theory, just compliment people. But anyways. I do, and every time I have a close girlfriend, everyone at one of my places of work accuses me of being a lesbian. Maybe and? we're just friends. I mean, I I'm know. pretty sure people thought me and Ethan were gay when we were in the dorms together, so. People still think that. <laughs> Whatever. Our podcast kind of revealed that if one of you had different genitalia, I wouldn't even be here, so. All right, continue with this. We can make it work. Okay. Anyways. Um, this beer's going to my head. I can't focus. So... The reason I bring up dog whistles, and I mentioned this earlier, our lovely president-in-chief uh, used them effectively throughout his entire campaign. Illegal immigrants, drug crime, you know, globalists. He talked about, you know, he talked about uh, um, ignoring the false song of globalism. Uh, and these are all dog whistles for white supremacists. And he, of course, earned the support of white supremacists. And that was why it was such a big story when he wouldn't, you know, tell David Duke that he did not want to be, you know, endorsed by him. Because he had been appealing to them, using their language, and then they endorsed him. Because obviously, you know, you're, he's using our language. And then he hired people into his administration that were on the fringes of these movements. Jeff Sessions is a renowned, he's probably like got a confederacy room in his, in his, you know, house back in Alabama. This was a man who was rejected for a federal ju- judgeship because he was too racist. In like the 70s. Yes. Do you, do you know how racist that has to be? To be too racist in the 70s? Jesus. Just, what the fuck? America? This is a man who <laughs> thinks that marijuana is like the reason America sucks. I think it's old, rich, white asshole men. Now, I just want to point out myself. I don't think it's because they're white or because they're men. I think it's because they're the people who have always had power. How? Yeah, well, old, right, which old, rich, white dudes have always had the power in this country. Everywhere. But my point was trying to be more like, I think anyone in that position of power would turn into an ass. Oh, for sure. If it, it had always been like... If black men had always been like the rich folks, they would have all the power and they would probably be the assholes. If it was white women, they would probably be the assholes. Yeah, it's whoever. I mean, but just go to a mall. <laughs> God. The can I speak to the manager haircut? Yeah, but historically, white men have had the power in this country. So they get old and, you know, they have money. They have, gener- you know, generational money. Their family has been rich and white for years now. You know, they have all the power and... I, I agree. It's not because they're white or because they're men. Well, it is because that's how it's always been. But had it been a different demographic, they would currently be the assholes in charge. And this is what I wanted to like sort of segue into. Okay. I, I made that distinction for a reason. Okay. Because the call it social movement over the last twenty years has been for increased diversity, 
you know, um, uh, better equality between the sexes. And because of the language that those movements have been using, there are a lot of young white men who feel like they're being blamed and attacked for what's wrong with society. Here's the thing. When you've always had the power, equality looks like oppression to you. I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's all about the language and the messaging. I read that phrase on the internet. I thought it sounded really smart, so I'd say it. Yeah. No, it's it makes perfect <laughs> sense. No, I understand. But I'm talking. Understand. I'm not talking about rich white men. I'm talking about poor white men whose everyday life is a struggle. And they're like, where's my white privilege? Yeah. And then when they see these, you know, people saying, ah, oh, rich, white, or, you know, white privileged men, and they feel attacked, they feel like they need to defend themselves. And I'm not saying that they're right to feel that way. I know what you mean, though. But what I am saying is that that creates a person who is ripe for recruitment by these white supremacists. Absolutely. And I want to bring this up because it's very important in this day and age. One of our friends is falling into it. Yeah. And what I want to talk to you guys about and to ask you, because this is where I was trying to go with the whole conversation. I kept derailing it. You're welcome. No, because this is <laughs> this is perfect timing anyways. Okay. We're, we have just enough time to talk about this and then wrap up. Okay. How do you stop that process? Because it's already happening in America. Because if we create another generation of white supremacists, this struggle will continue for another generation. I mean... I, the, the change does have to happen at the educational level. Not just uh, all educational levels. Like, public schools need to be well better funded to start with, but then better trained teachers... Better uh, systems for ga- engaging with students and getting students to demonstrate uh, competency in the material. I, th- I think a big thing is, and it's it's hard because we live in a smaller town. I there's slightly le- less racism, or at least that North Dakota nice that keeps people from saying it out loud. But we're not a very diverse community. Growing up here, I grew up here in the '90s, and I was the colorful kid, and I'm still half white. Do you know what I mean? Like there just wasn't a lot of different cultures here. And I think a big thing is have, have a conversation with like a person of a different ethnicity from a bigger city and have them talk to you about how like if you two were driving the same car at the same speed at night, they would get pulled over for being black or Mexican or Muslim and you wouldn't be solely because you are white. Do you know what I mean? And you can't understand that unless you've been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing for people who like hate feminists. There are probably people who can't get women because they have shitty worldviews. And like, and I will, being a feminist, I will absolutely say there are people, and I had a teacher like this, who is like, what I, I hate to use this term, but it's, I can't, I don't know a better one. Is, they call them feminazis, where they're just like, they hate men. And I don't think that that's it. You don't have to hate men. You can want to be equal without, like, I don't hate you guys simply because you have penises, because that makes zero sense. You have never done anything to me. And I don't, it's not all men, even though I have a very terrible dad and, you know, I, I've seen men can be terrible, but not all men are like that. And there's always going to be a radical group within a reasonable group. It's going to be the vocal minority that's going to give a bad name to those movements. Radical feminism, uh, the Black Lives Matter, I think is a great organization, but you have the vocal minority that are causing problems and making a bad name for themselves. I don't we've, think I we've, we've talked about how I agree with the message of Black Lives Matter, but I disagree with their methods. I don't Some think, of them. I don't, I don't think they're very effective in 
currying the hearts and minds of other people. It well, it's when I look at Black Lives Matter, I see a movement that suffers from the same things the Occupy movement suffered. No, no central leadership, leadership and no, no message. No message. No just charismatic leader who can get that message out and rally the support of the net group nationally. The well, Occupy- someone once told me that he did have a leader and his name was Barack Obama. And that him meeting with members of Black Lives Matter in the Oval Office would be the same thing as if Trump invited the KKK in. Okay, but... Which is literally the stupidest Black thing I Lives Matter possibly isn't, isn't championing for, like, the death of all white people. It, it, they're literally fighting to not get they're just shot Stop hey, shooting us. Yeah, they're trying to say, just because my skin is dark does not mean that you can just shoot me and assume that I am a terrible criminal just because I'm black. I shouldn't be pulled over more often. I shouldn't be charged with harsher sentences simply because of the color of my skin. Like, and, and that's something I, that frustrates me. And like I said, I'm only half brown and no one has ever really treated me differently because of my skin color, like literally ever. Um, but I, I can understand how, I don't know. I, I understand like how frustrating that must be to be treated differently just because your skin is a different color. Like, I mean, one thing is like anecdotal and I think it's funny when we went to vote last year, these two are white. I'm half brown. Ethan went to vote. Let me see your ID. Okay, you're good. I go up and they say, are you a citizen? And I was like, uh-huh. She's like, okay. Then Brian goes up and she didn't ask him either. And I was like, oh yeah, you're going to ask the brown girl, huh? You're only going to ask the brown girl if she's a citizen? Have I- it seems like in North Dakota, you'd be far more likely to have someone voting illegally if they were white because of Canada. And not to mention, I have the same <laughs> last name as you. Yeah. Or maybe that's why she thinks I'm not a citizen. Maybe it was green card marriage, even though I perfect English with zero accent. No, had I actually heard her ask you that, because I don't think I was paying attention at the time, I would have asked her, like, are you going to ask me if I'm a citizen? <laughs> and, like, people got really mad at me for saying that. They're like, well, they asked me too. And they, and they did ask a couple other people, but, like, people were mad at me for even saying it happened. I was like, I'm not mad about it. I'm not saying the lady's racist. I mean, I'm kind of casually implying it. But I, I just thought it was funny, because I thought it was... Because maybe she, every third person she asked, and I happened to be third in line, I just thought it was funny. But other people got very angry at me for even mentioning that it happened. Okay, let's wrap up. Okay, sorry. I'm going to speak for a few minutes, but first, Brian, you have next week, so you have about 30 seconds to come up with the topic. Uh, oh, I have something ready. Oh, you do? Okay, do. We'll, we'll make it you. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll save Brian this time. Okay. So, what we talked about today, uh, well, we started just sort of generally discussing politics, and, like, I don't, I come off very aggressively in politics, because it's a field I've studied and I've known for years. What, what, what I really want to get out there is that it's okay for people to think different things than you do about politics. Politics is literally just the mechanism by which we choose our leadership and accomplish our goals as a society. And for some reason, it has turned into a team versus team conflict. Now, what I choose to believe about people who have, you know, rationally evaluated their belief systems, you know, they've thought about them in detail, you know, they've sort of created an ideal world in their mind. What I choose to believe is that we just disagree on the methods and how to get there. But the problem that I can I, I keep finding over and over again is that someone, you know, discounts what I believe just because I don't agree with them. And that's actually one of the things that that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is because the three of us specifically are very good at discussing things, possibly disagreeing, but staying respectful. There's a lot of people you cannot have a discussion without them attacking you personally or getting very upset just simply because you disagree. 
And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is because the three of us are very good at that. And well, and what what really scares me right now is I'm seeing more and more. And this this started ten or fifteen years ago when the word liberal became a dirty word, and when it literally is just supposed to mean someone who's on the political left, yep. literally just the other side. We were all supposed to be allies who just disagreed, and then it became a dirty word. And now I'm seeing you know even more terrifying stuff like anyone who's on the left is a communist, anyone who's on the left is a, is, is an anarchist. And it's just like, that's such a dismissive way to view people's arguments. It's a way to avoid ever considering if maybe, just maybe, that you are wrong. And I think that's the problem with America right now. Is it's just not okay to be wrong. We need to stop feeling so embarrassed and humiliated whenever someone shows us that we're wrong. We just need to accept that, hey, this is a learning opportunity. I've learned something new and I just don't see any other way for this incivility to lessen. Anyways, that's just kind of my closing thought. I don't know if you guys want to toss anything in, Brian. No, I agree with you entirely. It's You should be able to not just disagree with someone, but you should also be able to change your mind when presented with new information and have a different opinion after that. Happens to me almost daily. Pretty much, yeah. Tiffany, any last thoughts? Um, I think I've said this before. I don't know. Like I said, it's been a while. But like, my big thing is, I, I jokingly say that I live in a world of ponies and rainbows where like, everybody gets along. Like, I, I really can't understand hating someone solely because they look or think differently than you do. Like, I think that's ridiculous. And I think we all need to do a better job of getting along. If Like, if you can just be nice to one person... You know, maybe talk to somebody who's very different views, different religious view, different skin color, different political view. Just have a conversation, a casual conversation, maybe share a beer and maybe you'll find that you have something in common. Like just because someone is different from you doesn't mean you have to hate each other. And I I really want to add the really important question to ask people is not what you believe, but why. Because when, when we understand why people believe what they believe, they humanize themselves. They ra- they become rational in your minds. It's not just, oh my God, he wants universal health care because he wants to destroy the insurance industry. No, it's he wants universal health care because he wants people to be taken care of when they're ill. When society, when people are at their weakest and society can do the most to help them. Yep. And that's really all I have to say tonight. Be so kind, thank you for... Oh. Be kind to one another. Yes. We're all people. If I stab you, you all bleed the same color. So thank you for listening to me rant for an hour. While thank you to you two for listening to me rage and rant for an hour. I derailed you regularly because fuckery is my style. You're welcome. Yes. And so, you know, with that, uh, what's your topic for next week? Because this week was so angry, I decided we're going to do a positive podcast. We're going to talk about happy things. Things like what do you do for fun? How do you relax? What's your favorite thing about yourself? All right. That sounds kind of fun. I think it'll be nice to do something a little more positive because this one was an angry one. I'm pretty sure all of us but Brian were shouting. I had to get Brian it out. Brian doesn't really shout. Uh, yeah. I, I shout a lot. That's just my regular volume. So I, I actually find it very fun to discuss calmly with somebody who vehemently disagrees with me and is shouting at me and slowly work them towards a common ground that we can both agree on something. Well, fair enough. I, only more of us were like that. Yeah. it's. I find it. I find it hilarious to be able to just drag somebody along an argument like that. Well, thanks for, you know, joining us. Uh, My beer is empty, guys, so I think we're going to have to pack up and get out of here pretty soon. All right, sounds good. See you all next week. Thanks for joining us.
Oh, wait, before we go, it's time for listener mail. But we don't have any mail, and we don't have any listeners. So I came up with a question all, on, all by my own. What's a time you have ever been unintentionally racist or sexist? Brian, go. Uh, I'll start. I'll give you time to think about it. Yeah. So one time I'm playing Magic the Gathering, a wonderful card game at a tournament, and I misread this card. I think it says one thing, but it actually says another. And I don't notice this the entire day. So I happen to be walking by. I see someone playing in a match. Uh, one of them happens to be a woman. And I see her play the card, and I think the card works a completely different way. And I'm just like, oh, hey, did you know that you could use it like this? And then she's like, uh, no, that's not what it says. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm such a dick. I just, like, mansplained, and I was completely wrong. The thing is, it's not, the way you explain things isn't mansplaining. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's not mansplaining, it's just explaining something. It's like, well, actually, this is how the card works. That's mansplaining, which I actually, I hate that word. I think it's stupid. Yeah. Anytime you've been un- unintentionally racist or sexist? Not that I can think of, but I mean, I'm sure I have at some point, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I try really hard. And if I ever, you know, I've, I've heard that phrase, like what you think first is what's ingrained in you. And like what you think second is what you actually believe. So if I catch myself thinking something negative, I, I try to catch myself and be like, ah, no, cause grew up around some racist people. So if, if I think something bad, I try to be like, no, don't think that way. So. Brian. I was gonna say I, I've been having trouble coming up with this. I, I tend not to act before I think. So um, oh well, look at me up in my no. high-worldly shoes. I've never mastered does, that skill ever. But that does not mean I have not been especially unintentionally sexist when I was in high school, especially. What'd you do? Uh, it's small things. I can't think of any specific example, but I know I had a bad habit of like you guys said, mansplaining. Ah. I just to my female friends, whenever they ask a question, just t- to kind of take that. Well, the, actually. Yeah, but the thing is, you've explained things to me too, and it, it's never come off as condescending. Yes, but it's a skill he's practiced. Yeah. <laughs> so was I. Maybe that's, so that's weird. the common I just assumed theme. you were just like more shy and less angry. I don't know. They're going to oh, kick us out little, soon. So let's... I was more angry in high school than I am now, oh, which weird. is kind of frightening because I'm an angry person now. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, they're turning off the lights, so we got to go. All right.